0: Good morning. Welcome to Troy United Methodist Church. So good to have you here today. Uh, we're continuing in the series we started last week called Red Carpet, where we are exploring the central theme of hospitality throughout the Bible. And we're getting this, this picture of how God extravagantly welcomes us. And, and, and we're also learning some of the practices that Jesus calls his church to live out. And I'm, I'm really glad that you're here uh, my name is Andy and I would love the opportunity to uh, get to know you more especially if you are uh, newer to our church uh, hear a little bit of your story and and uh, particularly if you're newer uh, it's, it's our desire to, to help you really feel welcomed and loved uh, here as a part of our church family in fact that's, that that really is what hospitality is all about uh, the, to, to help people feel welcomed and help them feel loved and like they belong and the theme of hospitality this theme of hospitality is found throughout uh, the entire Bible uh, last week we took a look at a story uh, that happened about four thousand years ago the story of Abraham and how he he welcomed three strangers uh, one of which uh, was was God himself even though Abraham didn't even know it and we saw how just how important it is to God that his people welcome uh, those on the outside strangers uh, because in doing so, oftentimes we find that we are welcoming God himself. And this week, we're taking a look at this, this other story in, in which the hosts, once again, are, are clueless. They, they are clueless about uh, and not recognizing who it was that they were entertaining. Uh, today's uh, scripture that you just heard was from Luke chapter 24 and is commonly referred to as uh, the walk to Emmaus. Um, and it takes place soon after Jesus died on the cross, um, after he uh, rose from the grave. But his disciples were, were still largely unaware uh, of the resurrection, and, and their hearts were in distress. They were in despair still. Uh, and there's so much going on in this scripture passage uh, that you just heard, but I, I want to focus in on one of the most uh, obvious questions that you may uh, have been left wondering about after just, just hearing this. Uh, how in the world... Uh, do these guys who had been followers of Jesus, how did they not recognize him when he was on this journey with them? Uh, yes, they, they were sad and, and dejected, uh, but, but how could they not see that Jesus was right in front of them? Well, there are a lot of possible answers, I guess. Uh, the, the passage seems to indicate that, that God was somehow uh, preventing them from recognizing uh, that this was Jesus. Um, uh, maybe Jesus' appearance had changed uh, a little bit after the resurrection, and so they didn't immediately recognize him. Or maybe, maybe they were so depressed that that they just weren't seeing things clearly. I don't know if you've ever you ever kind of get in a state like that where you're just just things aren't making sense. You're you're just kind of in a fog in a cloud, and, and maybe that was the case for them. Though those are all legitimate explanations, but I I think something else is at play in this passage. Uh, I, I think. Um, uh, that that sometimes uh, there are things that slip by you and me, uh, preventing us from recognizing Jesus quite often in, in our just our everyday lives. You know, you may be here today, um, feeling outside, fe- feeling a little bit alone, maybe even dejected, depressed. Uh, things that have just been going on in your life, uh, struggling to find purpose. Uh, you may feel a lot like these guys who are on the, the road to Emmaus, wondering, God, where are you in, in this chaos? Things are not going uh, the way that, that I anticipated. What, well, why aren't you answering my prayers, God? Why can't I see you at work in my life? Where are you? Now, why didn't these fellows recognize Jesus? I think because this encounter on the road to Emmaus was, it, it was just simply too ordinary. Uh, there's nothing dramatic about it at all. If they knew they were going to encounter the risen Christ, uh, and you ask them what it would be like, chances are they would describe it uh, a little more dramatically, like, oh, Jesus appeared in white clothes, sparkling, radiant, and, and he was floating at least a foot above the ground, and, and there were trumpets blaring, and, and the, the host of heaven's armies that we just sang about were, were right on his right and his left. But the way that it really went down, I mean, it was just way too plain, way too ordinary, too boring, to be Jesus raised from the dead. But the truth is, and I encourage you, follow along in your message notes so you can reflect on this later, uh, either individually or maybe in your your journey groups. Uh, The truth is Jesus most often shows up in the ordinary parts of life. Why don't you see Jesus at work in your life right now? Well, maybe you're expecting something a little too dramatic. Maybe Jesus is right there in front of you all along. You just don't recognize him because he shows up in the ordinary events, the the ordinary interactions of your everyday life at work or at school, at the grocery store or in the conversation that you had with your neighbor. Jesus is there oftentimes trying to get your attention when you're frustrated with your kids or you're in that intense conversation with your spouse. You know, if you think about your life, I mean, the vast majority of your time is spent in the ordinary. And do Do you really think that God is only there in, in the special times in the extraordinary, the extraordinary circumstances of your life? No, no, God is there in, in the in, in present through all of it. We just often miss Him because because we're just you know, we're just trying to get it through. Our ordinary days. Now, I think, I think these disciples missed Jesus because his appearance to them and and this encounter with him was just just way too ordinary. Of course, by the end of this passage, uh, they they finally recognize Jesus. And and they do so in, in a very ordinary activity. Something that I like to do at least five times a day. Eat a meal. All right, eating a meal. You, you may have recognized the message title for, uh, for today's message. It was Let's Eat. Uh, this has to be probably my most, my, my most favorite message title uh, of all time. And those of you who are getting to know me well know that I love to eat. If you uh, ever want to have some meaningless chatter with me sometime, let's just talk about food. Uh, we, I've done this already with some of you. It's a, quite an enjoyable conversation, I think. Uh, uh, meaningless completely, but but hey, we could talk about food. I love everything about food. Uh, I love thinking about it. Uh, I love shopping for it. It's not uncommon for me to run into you all at the grocery store. Uh, I, I love preparing it, and of course, I love eating it. Uh, but according to the Bible, eating eating isn't just an ordinary event. And if you've ever eaten with me, you know that. It's a, uh, but it's, it's not just ordinary. It's essential for more than just the growth and sustenance of your physical body. It, it, it's so much more than that. It, it can actually be a sacred activity where God reveals himself in, in powerful ways. Uh, so in the rest of our time this morning, I just want to share three ways that eating together is vitally Vitally important, and and we learn uh, about this from the scriptures themselves, um, as well as from the, the history of the church. And the first might be the most obvious: uh, eating together builds it builds community amongst people. And I think we can all see this basic principle at work in the household. Uh, studies have shown and revealed that families who eat together have better relationships, resulting in things like financial savings, um, and, and better physical health. Uh, kids. That tend to have better grades when their families eat together. Uh, I don't know how they figure this out, but kids are three and a half, less, uh, like, three and a half times less likely to use drugs if they are uh, a part of a family that eats together regularly. And, and there are other benefits. Eating together builds deeper relationships at home. Uh, it also provides uh, and creates opportunities to sustain relationships, like friendships and, and even opportunities to create new relationships with people just just think about the greatest meals that you've ever eaten just like the video that we saw earlier where where uh, tina was asking people about the the meals they've eaten just think about the 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 greatest meals that you've ever eaten chances are uh, you you're not just thinking about the food that you've eaten you're you're thinking about the people that you've shared it with and and, and this goes uh, for the church too churches just like families and friends uh, need to eat together regularly to create and sustain a- an identity. And we see in the Bible how the early church ate together in one another's homes. That was one of the, the, the central practices that they shared together. The early church, you know, the, the scriptures lay out like five or six things that they did. And eating together in each other's homes made the cut. It was, impo- it was that important. The, the early Methodist movement uh, had what they called love feasts. Uh, sounds fascinating, doesn't it? Uh, but uh, that's what they called them. And and they were gatherings in people's homes around a meal. Uh, I know at least a couple of our journey groups here that, that go over the top when it comes to bringing snacks and, and uh, sharing in a meal together on a regular basis. It simply builds community and therefore is a sacred exercise. Now, uh, you all got out your phones earlier, hopefully, and, and texted in your response to this uh, poll question. I, I'm curious. Well, l- let's see what the results are. I have no idea here what this is. Uh, oh, it looks like an overwhelming amount of people eat together. This is great. Uh, five to eight times a week, uh, the vast majority, and the second one was even more than that. Uh, this is fantastic. You're eating together. This is great, but I, I do see there are some that, that are much uh, lower on the scale, and we didn't even have zero as an option. It is possible uh, to go an entire week without eating together with somebody else. And, and I, I uh, just a, one last thing about building community around shared meals. There, there really are. There are people in our church right here, right now. Uh, there are people in your neighborhoods, people that you work with, people that you see on a regular basis in your life who, who do not have an opportunity to have a shared meal with somebody else on a regular basis whether they're single or uh, an empty nester or someone who has been widowed or, or kids who come from broken families you know, and I just want to encourage those of you who who do regularly share a meal together around a table whether it's your own table or out to dinner or things like that, consider uh, just extending your table a little bit, think, thinking about those who maybe fit into some of those categories that I shared that that don't have an opportunity to, to sit down and eat with others on a regular basis um, and invite them to be a part of a meal with you. Uh, it, it's, I know a lot of times the, the barriers to doing that, we, we think that oh our house has to be clean or, or we really have to have a great meal planned or or, we, or, you know, I'm going to have a lot more work to do because it really takes a lot of work to uh, be hospitable and welcome other people. But, uh, I, you know, I just want to encourage you, you don't have to go over the top when it comes to inviting somebody else to share a meal with you. Uh, really, you, you know, part of what builds community is not just the eating, although that's my favorite part of it. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's also, also the, the preparation, and the cleanup, that, that builds community. Think about some of the great Thanksgiving dinners where uh, the, the guys are all conked out on the couch. and uh, No, usually it's the other way around now. It's like the guys are all cleaning up because, uh, because uh, they, they recognize how much work went into uh, preparing the meal. But, uh, you know, it's sometimes that washing the dishes that you build the most community in. And, uh, but, but I just encourage you, think, think about it. You don't have to go over the top. Just a simple invitation to a shared meal. I mean, there are people sitting around you right now who rarely get to eat with somebody else. Uh, it builds life giving community, though, when you do. But sharing meals together also breaks down barriers uh, between people who would not otherwise associate. In other words, eating, eating kind of levels the playing field, it, it, everybody has to eat. There's, there's no one who is too good or too high and mighty that they don't have to eat food. Um, everybody has to do it. We all do it. It's ordinary. So it provides a perfect opportunity for people to build relationships who would not otherwise spend time together because of cultural or uh, ethnic or socioeconomic or, or any other differences that create barriers between people. I mean, we, we see how, uh, throughout the scriptures, how Jesus and the early church shared meals together to break down barriers between different groups of people. Jesus was repeatedly, friends, he was repeatedly criticized. It was the number one criticism against Jesus. Uh, not that he claimed to be God, although that was a criticism uh, of him, but, but that he ate with sinners and with unclean people. That was the number one criticism of Jesus. Is that he ate with people who he shouldn't have been eating with? He used meals to break down barriers and to welcome people. Peter and others broke from the social norms of the Jews and chose to eat with Gentiles as a way of illustrating the inbreaking of God's kingdom and the inclusiveness of, of God's table. Uh, of course, uh, there were many times, uh, even in the scriptures, where this caused tension. And uh, the early church did not always get it right. Sometimes they let those cultural norms uh, uh, continue to create barriers between people groups when it came to eating together. But uh, and, and it's just the truth. Whenever you try to live out uh, God's ways and, and break down barriers between people, there are always going to be some ups and downs. Uh, but the truth is when you, when you give it an attempt, it's worth it. It is worth it. It is worth sitting down to a meal with people different than you, even when you feel a little uncomfortable doing so, because it is living out God's kingdom in a very, very tangible, if not ordinary way. There are so many potential applications for this in our individual lives, and the life of our church. Uh, but one way we're trying to break down barriers and build community around a shared meal is something that we're laying the groundwork uh, for in St. Jacob. Uh, now, for those of you who, who don't know, uh, Clint, he, he came up, he shared, uh, he welcomed us this morning, and he mentioned that he was the ministry leader at St. Jacob United Methodist Church. And you might be wondering, why in the world is the ministry leader from St. Jacob here? Uh, well, the truth is, St. Jacob United Methodist Church is yoked to uh, to Troy United Methodist Church. Uh, uh, I'm technically the pastor of the St. Jacob United Methodist Church. Uh, they're, they're a part of us, and, and Clint has been uh, hired and is set aside to be the ministry leader of, of that relatively uh, small community church in St. Jacob. And, and uh, St. Jacob Church, um, over the summer, uh, really rolled out the red carpet in a pretty cool way to the community. And they they got together and, and gave out food, did a feeding program for uh, primarily children in, in the community who maybe just don't get to have a meal, a good healthy meal during the week uh, over the summer because they're not in school and they're not getting the, the school lunches. And so uh, Clint and other volunteers, they went out and they, they, they rolled out the red carpet and served uh, dozens of kids in the community this this meal, And, and so w- we had this idea and, and this vision and uh, uh, dreamed up the possibility of reaching out to the community in a similar way through a, uh, a dinner church where uh, there would be live worship and then a shared meal around tables uh, while a video message, like you're kind of watching over here, uh, <laughs> a, a video message is going on uh, so that people can discuss uh, about it uh, around the meal. And so this is something that we're just laying the groundwork for now and and casting vision for. And, and Clint has hopes of, of doing some trial runs of this over the summer with the, with the intent of rolling this out in full force in the fall. Uh, so if you're interested in being a part of that launch team uh, for uh, for this dinner church at St. At Jacob, uh, then definitely talk to Clint. Clint's right here, uh, right in the front row. Uh, grab him after service and say, I'm excited about that. That sounds really cool. Uh, what can I do to be a part of it? Uh, he already had somebody at 8 o'clock say, hey, my, my son is a chef, and, and I'd be interested in this. So uh, uh, talk to Clint about that. Uh, if, if it takes off at St. Jacob, who knows? Uh, we we might try it here, too. Uh, but we believe that this really could break down some barriers and create opportunities for people to uh, associate and connect who would not otherwise show up to a church worship Worship service like we're experiencing right now um, uh, because you know what uh, this is what's really cool about eating together when we eat together Jesus and Jesus just shows up uh, when followers of Jesus share in a meal together the the presence of god's kingdom is revealed and reflected in, in the Bible Jesus is uh, he's kind of described as the gracious host I mean, he's the one who took uh, five little fish and a couple of loaves of bread and uh, he, he took those and he multiplied them and, and was a gracious host to over 5,000 people on a hillside uh, during a sermon uh, Jesus is also, uh, he describes himself uh, that he is he is the bread of life, he, he, he is the living bread from heaven, he's not just the host Jesus is also mysteriously the meal He's the living water uh, that that just nourishes our souls. He's the very source of life. And we saw last week that when that that Jesus is also the guest when we welcome in strangers. I mean, Jesus is the host, he's the guest, and he's the meal. I mean, Jesus shows up when we eat together. Uh, Dr. Christine Pohl in her book uh, Making Room. Recovering Hospitality as a Christian Tradition, she writes this. Uh, She says, In the Last Supper with his disciples, Jesus fills the basic elements of a meal with richest symbolic meaning. The bread is his body, the wine his blood. Eating together, ritualized in the Lord's Supper, continually reenacts the center of the gospel. As we remember the cost of our welcome." Christ's broken body and shed blood, we also celebrate the reconciliation and the relationship available to us because of his sacrifice and through his hospitality. Holy Communion most fundamentally connects hospitality with God because it anticipates and reveals the heavenly table of the Lord. In this sacrament, we are nourished on our journey towards God's banquet table, even as we experience the present joy and welcome associated with sharing in that table. A shared meal is the activity most closely tied to the reality of God's kingdom, just as it is the most basic expression of hospitality. Now, in a few moments, we're going to share in uh, this common table, the, the Lord's table. And as you kind of see, we're, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the red carpet. Sharing in this meal is, is God rolling out the red carpet to us. And, and as we do so, uh, I want you to uh, closely listen to this, um, this traditional liturgy of our church. Just listen to how Jesus is our host, and He's the one welcoming us at, at great cost to Himself. But listen also for how He's the meal. He's the one who who gives us life. Uh, Listen for how this is a sacrament. Uh, A sacrament is is a little glimpse. It's a foretaste of the kingdom uh, of heaven to come. And and listen for how Jesus also calls us to uh, reflect him and and to roll out the red carpet for others and become a host and open his table to others, Uh, becoming a host ourselves to welcome others into his family. Uh, Let's share in this sacred meal together to build community, to break down barriers, but also to experience the very presence of Jesus in our midst. Your uh, responses in this liturgy will appear on the screen. The Lord be with you. We lift up lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their unending hymn. and so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine, and make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ Body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ.